focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters in Kwanzaa and Yoon Seung. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening to you guys. It has now been confirmed. Uh, there was a whole lot of speculation uh, from the uh, beginning of the year. Uh, and also, since uh, the relations between South Korea and Japan has improved uh, quite a bit, uh, there was a number of summits between the leaders of Seoul and Tokyo, uh, that eventually there would be a trilateral summit between South Korea, the U.S., and Japan. Uh, it is now confirmed that uh, the summit will take place next month in Camp David in Maryland. Uh, of course, it is not the first time that President Yoon meets his U.S. and Japanese counterparts, uh, but uh, it is the first time they'll see each other just for the occasion uh, specifically, not on the sidelines of anything, but specifically a trilateral South Korea-U.S.-Japan summit. So you're going to start us off in this summit here. Sure. So the meeting is expected to be held on the 18th of August, according to sources cited by local media in Camp David, the official country residence of the U.S. president. It's uh, well known as a location that offers solitude and tranquility to the president, sometimes serving as a retreat to make wise decisions in that tranquility, as well as well known as a venue to host foreign leaders. So South Korea's presidential office said in a statement this Thursday that a South Korean U.S.-Japan trilateral meeting is expected to take place in mid-August and that the exact time and location is to be announced in the near future uh, following coordination between the three parties. But as I said, uh, some media did refer to those sources saying it's going to be the 18th, mm -hmm. but we'll uh, have to wait and see before that uh, exact date is confirmed as well. So this summit comes on the proposal of U.S. President Joe Biden back on May 21st, where he invited his South Korean and Japanese counterparts, President Yoon Seok-yeol and Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, to Washington when the three had an encounter at the G7 summit in Hiroshima. Although it looks like it's not going to be Washington, D.C., although Camp David is near Washington, yeah. D.C., some 100 kilometers uh, nearby. So what's going to be on the agenda? It looks like cooperation on security, economy, as well as global matters will be discussed. More specifically, topics of discussions that are highly likely uh, are strengthening trilateral deterrence against North Korea on the heels of Pyongyang's increased provocations, including its launch of its Hwasong-18 solid-fuel intercontinental ballistic missile last week. Also, preparations for the activation of a data-sharing mechanism between Seoul, Washington, and Tokyo to exchange real-time missile warning data to boost each of their capabilities to detect and assess North Korea's missiles. I think uh, just recently they had agreed that uh, this will actually be activated by the end of this year. Uh, so probably they're going to fine-tune the details. And on global issues, the establishment of semiconductor supply chains, the Ukraine war are also expected to be uh, on the agenda. What is significant for the meeting next month is that this will be the first time the three leaders get 
get together for the sake of a trilateral summit, as you said, SJ, before. Uh, their previous meetings all happened on the occasion of other multilateral events or other occasions. And the last time they got together was in Hiroshima for the G7. But they really just got to talk for a few minutes because they were too busy with all of their other schedules there. Seoul, for its part, uh, referred to the upcoming meeting as a 정상회의, not 정상회담. Now, 정상회담 um, would translate into a summit, but 회의 is more meeting. of a discussion or meeting. Uh, and uh, now, pundits say the reason why they uh, refer to this as a 정상회의 is because there is the South Korea, China, Japan 정상회의, and uh, this one is also a trilateral summit that's been regularly held since 1999. So maybe they wanted to kind of uh, differentiate it. Or no, actually, make it sound similar. Mm. The 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 trilateral summit between China uh, with China and Japan, as well as the trilateral with the U.S. and Japan. Uh, meanwhile, for President Yoon Suk-yeol, this trip to the U.S. will come just four months after his official state visit to the U.S. in April uh, to Washington and Boston, and it's the first time since 2008 that a South Korean president is making a visit to Camp David. Uh, former President uh, Lee Myung-bak was there in 2000. It's interesting with the whole meeting thing, right? The hey and not hey, I'm not summit because you would assume that uh, if it is a uh, summit uh, between the leaders of South Korea, the U.S. and Japan, and having wanted to tout uh, a better relations than the uh, South Korea, China, Japan summit uh, meeting, then they will use the summit. But mm. obviously, with this, there's is going to be a whole lot of discussions when it comes to North Korea issues, mm. and there's already been uh, even after the uh, the Seoul, Washington. Uh, summit, the official state visit by uh, President Yoon Suk-yeol over to Washington, D.C. earlier this year with the Washington Declaration and the formation of the NCG. Uh, even after, shortly after the NCG was unveiled, uh, there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not Japan would be eventually included in this. So some pundits are saying that during this meeting between the th three leaders, there could be a possibility that maybe Japan would be included in the NCG uh, and, or, or possibly uh, in the Camp David uh, decoration or on the Maryland decoration, whatever <laughs> they're going to call this, uh, that they're going to form another maybe nuclear consultative group that also mm. includes Japan because Japan has been expressing a whole lot of concerns uh, when it comes to North Korea's nuclear threats. Uh, speaking of which, we had the top nuclear envoys of Seoul, Washington, and Tokyo having met over in Japan this time on Thursday. Uh, this, of course, to discuss countermeasures against North Korea's nuclear weapons program and the recent Hwasong 18 solid fuel ICBM launch just last week. Uh, Seung, you're going to fill us in on this. Sure. South Korea's Special Representative for Korean Peninsula Peace and Security Affairs, Kim Gon, and its U.S. and Japanese counterparts, Sung Kim and Takahiro Funakoshi, held a meeting in Japan on Thursday. It has been about three months since the three sides met in Seoul in April, and today they reportedly shared their recent assessment of the situation in the Korean Peninsula and discussed possible countermeasures against North Korea's missile threats. In particular, they heavily criticized the situation in which North Korea continued its provocations by launching a new solid fuel intercontinental blasting missile, Hwasong 18, last Wednesday, while refuting North Korea's unreasonable claim 
blame, which puts the blame for uh, rising tensions in the Korean Peninsula on South Korea and the United States. Recently, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's powerful sister Kim Yo-jong released a series of statements slamming Seoul-Washington joint military exercises. And on top of that, North Korea's UN ambassador Kim Song also defended Pyongyang's recent missile launch at the UN Security Council held last week, saying that it was an exercise of the North right to self-defense against Washington that was raising regional tensions by deploying a nuclear-powered submarines to Seoul. Of course, uh, Kim Sung failed to mention that this was all in response to their latest ICBM mm. launch, but which, again, like you said, uh, Seung, uh, North Korea doesn't seem, uh, you know, consider that as a threat to any of the international community. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the arguments that he said was uh, when North Korea fired the ICBM, it landed nowhere near Japan's EEZ, is what he said. It, it posed absolutely no threat, and we're only testing this so that we could defend ourselves. But I don't know if anyone actually defends a country using an intercontinental ballistic missile, to be honest with you. It's more offensive than defensive in nature, right. these weapons. Uh, and of course, amid the rising tensions on the Korean Peninsula, the three sides also expressing concerns over the UN Security Council not functioning properly uh, and emphasized that cooperation among the three countries should be strengthened, uh, this including independent and unilateral sanctions on North Korea. Right. Um, the three sides agreed that along with the UN Security Council, Seoul, Washington, Tokyo agreed on the need for independent sanctions on Pyongyang. And they also talked about the ways to block illegal cyber activities, which are cited as new cash cow for North Korea's nuclear and missile development. So we can say that the three sides now look forward to establishing an independent security system beyond the UN Security Council to respond to and confront Pyongyang. Yang's continued nuclear provocations. And I believe a similar statement is likely to be released at the Korea-U.S.-Japan summit or meeting that is scheduled to take place in August at Camp David. In addition to today's meeting, Director Kim Gon will hold bilateral meetings with his counterparts Funako um, Xi and Song Kim separately on Friday and Saturday, respectively. And the South Korea U.S. nuclear talks are expected to evaluate the successful establishment of the Nuclear Consultative Group, NCG, which held its first meeting on Tuesday, and to reiterate the importance of South Korea-U.S. cooperation in response to North Korean nuclear threats. Of course, them saying the the UNSC doesn't function properly, referring to China and uh, Russia's Russia. veto power, but uh, which is why you have been seeing a whole lot of uh, sanctions, U.S. sanctions, we've seen EU sanctions, we've seen uh, a record number of unilateral sanctions from South Korea under the UN administration, but which is probably all the more reason why North Korea is test firing ballistic missiles, because uh, you're, they know in the back of their mind that China and Russia, their close allies, are going to be using their veto powers, but there is... And also probably another reason for why North Korea is very much hesitant uh, in uh, testing their seventh nuclear test, because they also know that when they do end up testing their nuclear weapons, that that is when that China and Russia are forced to not use their veto power. And we've seen that so far. And so if... Of course, North Korea does end up testing its nuclear weapons in China and Russia, highly unlikely. Uh, although Russia might pull a wild card there, and maybe they'll use their veto, car, uh, veto card considering uh, what's happening right now 
uh, geopolitically. But uh, the pundits are saying that this is probably the only reason these sanctions, crippling UNSC sanctions, are the only things deterring uh, North Korea from testing their nuclear weapons. Uh, let's move on to some latest development on the U.S. soldier Private Travis King. Uh, who earlier this week uh, crossed the military demarcation line into North Korea. Um, still, though, there, the whereabouts of Private King is unknown. Uh, Washington has come out said that uh, they have continued to reach out to North Korea, and obviously North Korea is not going to go, hi, oh, thanks for calling us, we'll give you the information. doesn't work that way. They're very mum on uh, sharing any kind of information, and I think the latest is that they're not even picking up the calls right now or any of their uh, communication channels. The young man's family have opened up in regards to him, uh, but his behavior to them, kind of unexplainable. So you have the details, uh, more and more information coming out in regards to Private uh, Travis King. Right. Uh, well, first off, as of this Thursday afternoon, and I also checked right now, we hear nothing from North Korea on the 23-year-old U.S. soldier who had been identified as Private Second Class Travis King. Uh, that's the second most junior rank in the Army. So let me give you a quick summary of what had happened. Probably you guys talked about this uh, before yesterday or on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. uh, but on Tuesday, the soldier crossed the military demarcation line at the Joint Security Area in the demilitarized zone. He was supposed to be sent back to the U.S. after having faced a criminal charge uh, on the day he crossed the border, but he managed to flee and in what seemed to be a very spontaneous move, he joined a DMZ tour. And it was during that tour that he managed to cross the border in a blink of an eye after eyewitnesses saw him laugh out loud before his sudden action. So why would he do that? No one knows, but his family has spoken to a number of media. So let me refer to the AP first, which published an interview with family members of the escapee this Thursday that may suggest some hints uh, behind the young man's behavior. Family members said he may have been overwhelmed by the legal charges he was facing, as well as his discharge from military. Relatives described King as a quiet loner, a good guy, a quiet nice guy who wouldn't do anything to hurt someone. He literally got arrested for assault. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. Spent prison time for assault. So this is his family right, member right, right, speaking. Right. Uh, and uh, he, they say he neither drank nor smoked and uh, enjoyed reading the Bible. Uh, I, I, I mean... I mean he might not be drinking, but uh, as we just mentioned, the assault, there was one of the assaults was that he was at a nightclub and punched someone in the face. So, well, I mean, you know, I mean, not everyone drinks at okay, a nightclub, okay. I'm, right? I'm not <laughs> trying to make any assumptions oh, no, here, but yeah. uh, just the image uh, seems kind of very different, you mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. uh, not drinking and enjoying reading the Bible and so forth. Now, one of King's uh, uncles questioned whether King was experiencing uh, a psychological problem as he wouldn't understand why he would flee uh, when he was just about to come back home. Uh, earlier, King's mother had told ABC News that she was shocked by the fact her son crossed into North Korea, saying she can't see Travis doing anything like that. Uh, and in an interview with the Daily Beast, King's uncle, this is a different uncle uh, from the one that I just mentioned, said that his nephew had been breaking down after the death of his cousin, so that's the son of Travis's uh, uh, uncle. Uh, 
and King was reportedly very close to the seven-year-old cousin who died in February of a rare genetic illness. King's uncle also noted that King joined the military out of a desire to serve his country. His older brother uh, is a police officer and a cousin is in the Navy. Nevertheless, King was facing dispel from the army over conviction of a crime in a foreign country. And earlier this year, he was also convicted of assault and damaging a police vehicle. And he also had been in prison for 47 days. Meanwhile, just as there is no news from North Korea, U.S. officials also have not many comments in regards to the issue. U.S. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said that the U.S. has reached out to the North and that, quote-unquote, we are still gathering facts. Uh, almost same message by White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. She said, we are still gathering all the facts. Uh, she added, though, that officials have asked for diplomatic help from Sweden uh, and beliefs are, however, that King is in custody in the north and that he may be used for anti-U.S. propaganda. Yeah, so uh, because Washington does, doesn't does have diplomatic relations with Pyongyang for obvious reasons, uh, Sweden works as the diplomatic channel, mm-hmm. uh, kind of relaying the messages and so forth. And But again, I mean, there is a difference between how your family and your relative, relatives view you and how maybe other people might view you. But when you have some uh, things like, uh, you know, you wouldn't do anything like this, or you wouldn't hurt any Anybody. Uh, he's been breaking down from the death of his cousin. But again, you know, you have witness statements. Uh, someone who's been breaking down and been really struggling with the issue does not go, ha, 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 and then, you know, flee into North mm-hmm. Korea is what it is. Because it seemed like he was like, ha, 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 I got away with this. And, you know, you guys can't do anything about this. But there is still a whole lot of question as to how he was able to join that tour, right? Because they were saying that some of the tourists were saying, you need to first uh, give up your passport information. And sometimes because like these JSA Panmunjom tours are very popular it takes like you know it's not like you could just kind of jump right into Mm. the tour you need like weeks or even maybe months of uh, reservations before you can set in but uh, i believe one tour company came out saying that that is possible that uh, travis king was able to get a tour pass through uh, the United Service Organizations. Uh, mm-hmm. This is an organization, a nonprofit organization that kind of like caters to service members and their families. And the USO uh, information desk is located at the Incheon International Airport, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably one of the ways that he, because, you know, he fled in the Incheon International Airport, right? Just got it there, found out about the tour and hopped on uh, is a possibility. But again, there's not a whole lot of information in regards to this. And because North Korea is not sharing any information in regards to this, so you're absolutely right that he is going to be definitely used for propaganda purposes look how terrible the united states is and how terrible south korea is that a soldier is more willing to live in north korea because we have a wonderful place compared to the rest of the world uh in the meantime we also had the chinese state media uh, sort of responding to all this saying that this the recent incident it would be an opportunity for north korea and the united and the united states to resume Dialogue. I'm not sure how this would work, but does uh, Hyung uh, tell us more about this report? Yes, um, such analysis came from Global Times, a Chinese newspaper under the Chinese Communist Party's flagship newspaper, The People's Daily. The news article first defined the situation in the Korean Peninsula dangerous as the stalemate between the U.S. and North Korea continues, while both South Korea and the U.S. are in a tense game of confrontation with North Korea. Then it said, amid confrontation between the U.S. and North Korea, the recent incident could be an opportunity to ease 
tensions by resuming dialogue. Liu Chao, a Korean Peninsula expert at the Liaoning Academy of Social Sciences, said in an interview with the newspaper that now Pyongyang has more ways to negotiate with Washington in the future. And then he added that although tensions on the Korean Peninsula are escalating, the Biden administration has played down the Korean Peninsula issue for a very long time, but now U.S. will have to pay attention to North Korea and continue to approach to North Korea for a dialogue until it responds. So based on his analysis, in some perspectives, we can say the U.S. may engage in dialogue with North Korea through various diplomatic channels apart from its defense and security strategies, while Pyongyang is expected to respond to Washington's suggestion for dialogue in the name of humanitarian cooperation. Um, well, like Soa said, U.S. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said in a briefing on Wednesday uh, that Washington had contacted North Korean counterparts to deal with the recent incident, and the U.S. would make every effort to ensure the U.S. soldier's safety and return him home to his family. But uh, we, we, we do not have clear answer yet. Again, it would be maybe a different story if, let's say, a U.S. service member was uh, captured, right? Mm. Uh, unwillingly captured, and maybe it could be used as a negotiation uh, leverage for North Korea. Maybe then there will be some kind of dialogue. But we're literally talking because it could almost guarantee you Travis King is not going to go, oh, you know, please take me back to the United States where I want to be. He's probably like, please get me a house, get me, you know, I want to spend my rest of my life here. I've heard about some of the other uh, soldiers in the past who have, you know, defected to North Korea and the life that they, you know, le uh, lived and so forth. Uh, and so I, again, I, I, I could, I can't see this being an opportunity for uh, Washington and Pyongyang to hold dialogue because, I mean, we had bigger issues and they just didn't talk about it. Uh, at the same time, though, the uh, newspaper arguing that tensions between Washington and Pyongyang could worsen uh, if the U.S. fails to properly handle this case. Yes, um, citing an interview with a professor at China University of Political Science and Law, the report said the incident could be an opportunity for communication, but tensions between the two sides are expected to intensify if the U.S. maintains its hawkish attitude and North Korea fails to use it as an opportunity to ease tensions. Also, it's questionable whether the U.S.-North Korea relations will continue to develop even if they have one-time dialogue. Because because in the past, high-ranking U.S. officials and former U.S. presidents have visited Pyongyang to solve the problem of U.S. citizens detained in North Korea, but it did not bring about much change in North Korea-U.S. relations. Again, um, in the best case scenario, mm. if North Korea somehow miraculously goes, you know what, uh, we are going to, even though uh, Mr. King wants to stay in North Korea, we're going to send them back, uh, send them back to the United States as a, as a, sh a sign of good faith. Uh, and, and Washington sees this and goes, we respect that. We respect that. You know what, let's let's have talks here. Let's, let's start talking here. Uh, let's have some uh, discussions on the, you know, the Korean Peninsula affairs and things like that. Best case scenario. However, it is very different because 
95% chance that North Korea is going to further utilize this for propaganda messages. And again, talk about how an American defected. They love that. So they love it when North Koreans defect to South Korea and come back to North Korea. Mm -hmm. They love that stuff. And even better if a, 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 an American comes into North Korea, right? Uh, we had the unification minister nominee Kim Jong-ho stressing that it's not a good idea to abolish uh, the unification ministry or combine it with the foreign ministry. This is an interesting uh, remark that came. So uh, let's get the details on his remarks. Right. Uh, the remarks did not just come out of nowhere, actually. It was because uh, he's just ahead of his, uh, you know, confirmation hearing tomorrow or Friday. And also, I just want to uh, quickly mention that recently there has been not really talks about abolishing the unification ministry. I think uh, the the role, mm. like a reformation, a reformation with uh, the role of the unification ministry kind of changing here and there. Right. But I think uh, the current um, UN administration did make clear that they don't want to, you know, abolish the ministry itself. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, but it was uh, an idea that did come up. Uh, so that this is why this remark came in a written question and answer that was submitted by Kim Jong-ho to the National Assembly's Foreign Affairs and Unification Committee on Wednesday, uh, as I said, ahead of his confirmation hearing tomorrow or Friday. And he said that he thinks it's not desirable to get rid of the Ministry of Unification or integrated with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, citing the Constitution, which stipulates the establishment and implementation of peaceful unification policies. And that this is what the Ministry of Unification aims to realize. He also emphasized that the purpose and role of the Unification Ministry and Foreign Ministry are clearly distinguished. On the question on who the counterpart of Seoul's Unification Minister is, he said at this current state, it's difficult to assess. Uh, this is because since 2019, the Unification Minister had served as the South's chief delegate at inter-Korean high-level talks. I think that should be to 2018. And uh, in the North, it was uh, the chairman of the Committee for the Peaceful Reunification of the Fatherland, or Tung. But there hasn't been much word of this committee since 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, when it comes to an inter-Korean summit, uh, the nominee said chances are slim right now. He added that he supports U.S.-North Korea and Japan-North Korea talks, given that solving issues through dialogue is desirable. Uh, he was cautious, though, regarding the resumption of loudspeaker broadcasts along the border. That was a suggestion made by former Unification Minister Kon Young-se. Uh, and he said, Kim said that there are pros and cons, and it really needs consensus from the public. The candidate also vowed to do more to deal with human rights issues in the North, such as considering releasing satellite images of places like political prison camps there. Meanwhile, Kim admitted that some of his real estate information was omitted from the report that he had to submit for the confirmation hearing and expressed regrets towards that. And I just saw a few minutes ago an article by... Uh, JTBC, which had an exclusive on that there is actually more regarding uh, real estate uh, information that's been omitted. Yeah, uh, just kind of going back to the unification ministry. I mean, if you think about the, the, the core 
I guess, role of the ministry initially uh, when it was established, I believe, in the 1960s was for it to eventually form peace uh, on the Korean Peninsula and for the two Koreas to eventually uh, unite, which is why North Korea also has their own, what they call a reunification of the fatherland, a peaceful reunification of the fatherland. Uh, But there are a number of hardliners who are saying that, uh, again, the role of the unification ministry right now is very different from what it was back then and that uh, even just uh, because... You know, we can now we're considering many far hardliners are considering North Korea as just a foreign state. Uh, that uh, the foreign ministry should be in response to this, and if they want to talk about any uh, you know nuclear issues, it would be the NIS and uh, maybe uh, security officials and so forth. So not surprising that the comments like this are coming out here. Uh, let's move on here. An advisory panel, the Parliamentary Ethics Committee, on Thursday evening will wrap up the review of the disciplinary measures for uh, Kim Nam Gook. Uh, who, of course, left the Democratic Party of Korea uh, due to his controversy over his suspicious cryptocurrency trading. Uh, Siang, let's get more on this. Yes, um, the Parliamentary Ethics Committee meeting is now taking place for former DP lawmaker Kim Nam-guk, who is accused for dubious cryptocurrency dealings. And the committee held its sixth meeting on Tuesday but did not come up with a conclusion. And with another meeting, uh, the advisory committee is finally expected to come up with a conclusion and decide on the level of disciplinary action tonight after uh, thoroughly reviewing Kim's transaction details and documents submitted by him. And According to the investigation conducted so far, Representative Kim has traded virtual assets more than 200 times while he was serving as a DP lawmaker and sold and cashed in his coins at the end of 2021. And at some point, he even made 9.9 billion won as a result. And as the investigation goes on, there is a possibility of the number of transactions and the, the amount of transactions to increase further. Well, the key point here is not just about the numbers, but whether there were any illicit manner in the transaction process and whether he illegally obtained information that is not available for ordinary people. He is also under greater criticism for allegedly making deals during parliamentary meetings and confirmation hearings for some important post, uh, which means he neglected his duty as a lawmaker because of his coin trading. Again, I'm one of those people that believe that if you are a politician, if you are a lawmaker, if you are involved somehow in these mm-hmm. high offices or you, or you are a family member of any of these lawmakers or politicians, uh, you should not be able to trade, uh, not just cryptocurrency, but just stocks in general. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I mean, they say, you know, it's the unspoken thing, right? Uh, but uh, there is high chance that they get some kind of information here and there. Uh, I had a chance to talk to my father-in-law earlier today as I was coming to work uh, here at Aridanga. He lives down in Tegu, and uh, as he is a retired uh, teacher, he has now been enjoying himself playing golf these days. And I uh, asked him, uh, how's uh, golf these days? And uh, he said, golf in Tegu is a forbidden word for now. It is a <laughs> thing that they're not, it's a very sensitive issue in Tegu. It is. And <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't uh, help laughing a bit, uh, even though the, the, the seriousness of this uh, incident. We have uh, the mayor of Daegu, Hong Jun-pyo, who was also, of course, one of the presidential candidates in the past, uh, being criticized for playing golf over the weekend while the country was dealing uh, with the heavy downpours that, of course, led to a number of casualties. Uh, this was in the Gyeongsangbuk-do region, so not so far away from Daegu. 
Uh, controversial remarks here and there. I think he came out recently just after all the criticism that he eventually, I think, apologized. But uh, his party is mulling over whether or not uh, they want to punish him or not. So you have more on this. Right. Uh, the ruling People Power Party's Ethics Committee convened for a meeting this Thursday. I think it started at around 4.30 p.m. to decide on potential disciplinary proceedings against Hong uh, and other members. But we will focus on the issues surrounding Hong. And uh, this just came in a little before our show. He appears to face a punishment, but details on what level uh, is expected to be decided later at another uh, ethics committee meeting. So briefly, a quick rundown. Uh, Daegu City's Mayor Hong Junpyo was playing golf at a course on Mount Palgong in Daegu on Saturday. Uh, the game was called off after around an hour due to the heavy rain. And that's also the rain that caused landslides and left dozens of people dead or missing, including in nearby Gyeongsangbuk-do province. And at that time, more more than 20% of Daegu public workers uh, were working under an emergency duty. So Hong came under fire for his behavior. The controversy actually, however, grew when he uh, slammed or kind of attacked the media, yeah. making remarks like that he has the rights to do whatever with his weekend and that it's old-fashioned to think that public officials cannot have their privacy, etc. Uh, so earlier this week on uh, Tuesday, however, when the PPP's ethics committee decided to discuss the disciplinary action against Hong, the mayor bowed his head and said he sincerely apologizes to the people and his party members who were hurt by the flooding. So a very different, uh, you know, reaction. Uh, whether his apology, his apology is enough to spare him from being punished or not, uh, I wrote before, we'll have to wait and see, but we just uh, heard the news that he is going to face some kind of punishment, although we don't know how big of a punishment it's going to be. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Hong Junpyo garnered kind of uh, quite a bit of popularity. And, and like, Taegu is one of those reasons, uh, regions where it's conservative straight through. Mm. And uh, But, uh, you know, he's been kind of known for very uh, unfiltered remarks, and which, mm. by the way, many people actually liked. Uh, but there are certain things you just don't do and say, mm. uh, and this is one of them. Uh, also this evening, whether a number of disciplinary measures by the Korean Bar Association were appropriate for lawyers who joined the legal service platform Law Talk, this will be decided as well. Law Talk, uh, this is a mobile app that connects users to lawyers by expert uh, by expert uh, expertise. Now, Seung, you have uh, more on this. Yes. Um, before we begin, let me give you some backgrounds. First, Law Talk is a mobile app where the users can search and find law lawyers by expertise such as divorce or fraud without having to pay for using the app itself. Instead, it's known that the lawyers pay the app a lump sum uh, for advertising so that they can advertise and promote themselves to potential clients. And if they want, lawyers can also register themselves for free, but then they're placed lower in the search results. And many users who need legal consultations found it very sensational and convenient when the app was was first introduced, but it had to face strong backlash from the Korean Bar Association as it argued that the app and joint lawyers um, disrupted the market and there are high possibilities of connections between law talk brokers and specific lawyers, which is illegal. And the Bar Association ended up uh, reporting the app to the police and prosecution for several times. It also launched an investigation to discipline the lawyers who joined the app back in 2021, but in February 
February this year. The Fair Trade Commission ruled that KBA cannot prohibit member lawyers from using the app because it's a violation against lawyers' rights to advertise themselves. So the controversy over the app has continued for the past years. And following 2021, the Korean Bar Association has disciplined 123 lawyers who joined Law Talk in October last year, including disciplinary uh, measures for violating the rules of the law. And through today's deliberation, whether the disciplinary measures against those lawyers who joined the Law Talk was appropriate will be decided. There's a number of other applications and uh, platforms where you pay more and your name comes up, you know, mm. higher and stuff like that. But uh, nevertheless, let's move on to a, uh, a very tragic story over in Gyeongsangbuk-do province where uh, rescue workers on th Wednesday night, uh, they did find the body of the missing Marine uh, who, of course, went missing into the, the waters of a stream as he was taking part in the search and recovery operations uh, from the heavy monsoon rains. Uh, so let's get the details of this. Right. Uh, I was actually following this story yesterday night. Uh, that was when the Marine Corporal was found and was set first to have been sent to a hospital. Uh, media reports at that point uh, did not make clear whether he is dead or not because, you know, that has to be declared by a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he did die from the accident. Uh, it was reported later. And the Marine was part of a rescue and search operation with the 1st Marine Infantry Division at a downstream of the Naesong Stream in Yecheon County, Gyeongsangbuk-do province. Uh, his body was reportedly found 14 hours after he was reported missing. That was at around 11, 8 p.m. And uh, the Marine Corps was uh, in the midst of a. Um, uh, the Marine Corps has now launched a probe into uh, the exact uh, cause of his death. Uh, but uh, there has been reports that uh, while he was uh, amidst the stream, uh, the operations in the stream, he was not wearing a life vest. Uh, now, in the meantime, a funeral has been opened, is being held with many mourners paying their respects, including officials and politicians. And uh, the military also uh, says that his uh, military rank has been upgraded. We have some updates on the weather because usually after these uh, torrential rains, uh, you have a brief moment of sun, uh, but it does lead to sweltering heat uh, nationwide. So uh, let's get some updates on the weather as well. Right. Uh, today, the weather was actually nothing more than hot and clear. Uh, and also tomorrow is Jungbok uh, here in Korea. You know, we have the Chobok, Jungbok mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Malbok, uh, the three supposedly hottest days of the summer. And uh, tomorrow's average uh, sensible high, you know, the temperature that you feel is forecast to hist hit forecast to hit above 33 degrees Celsius. And uh, the morning lows will be between 21 and 24 degrees and the actual highs between 26 and 20. Uh, 34 degrees. On Jeju-do Island, tropical nights will continue for a while, uh, that meaning that the temperature is at 25 degrees or above between 6 p.m. and 9 a.m. Although it is going to be mainly sunny and clear tomorrow, there are chances of sudden showers, 5 to 40 millimeters in many inland regions, including also in the capital Seoul. So it uh, would be a good idea to have a small umbrella at hand. Very quickly, uh, we're going to go into the global weather 
uh, I guess, uh, issues right now because uh, many parts of the world, especially in the European regions, uh, they are seeing extreme heat. Uh, but this also means uh, it's posing a huge risk to workers at industrial sites. Uh, Sang, you're going to round this out here. Yeah, so we talked about this on Tuesday as well, but the situation in Europe is really serious. The temperature in parts of the southern Italian island of Sicily rose to 47 degrees Celsius on Wednesday, and people are actually losing lives due to heat wave, and the situation is similar in other European countries like Greece and Spain. And the Middle East is also struggling with the heat. Actually, the highest temperature in southern Iraq was expected to be over 50 degrees Celsius on Thursday, Day, when the average temperature in July is only 32 degrees. And the situation in the Asian region is also similar. According to the Chinese authorities on Thursday, Beijing's daytime high reached 36 degrees the previous day, breaking its own record for annual hot days in 23 years. Hope uh, all of our listeners are staying cool and uh, staying uh, safe as well. And for our reporters, thank you guys as always. Please stay safe, stay cool, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank, thank you. you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.